Good morning, everybody. I would like to welcome you to First Christian Church of Quanta, Texas. We are glad you're online. We're glad that you're watching this morning. Um, I'm very hopeful that God has a word for you today. Uh, something to speak directly to your heart. Uh, if you would, let's start off this time in prayer. If you would go with me in prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for who you are. And God, for everything that you have done for us. God, we know that you are with us through the good times and through the hard times, God. From the mountaintops to the valleys. But God, we know that you are our God. And we are thankful for you. That you are all powerful and that you are almighty. And that you are all loving. God, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ that you sent to take our place on the cross, to bear our sins, God, so that we could be with you eternally. We thank you, and we thank you for this hope. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning, it's a matter of a, how everybody's doing with this COVID-19. Uh, this has been on my mind. It's on everybody's minds. It has us completely distracted, it seems like. It's the, the focus of everyone. Either we're having a hard time adjusting to this lifestyle, or we're having a hard time dealing with it. So I'd like to ask you today, how is COVID-19 affecting you? It, does it give you some fear? Do you feel like you're isolated? How is your faith? Has your faith increased? Or has your faith decreased? Because I believe, I believe that it's both ways in many directions for a lot of folks. I believe it's just a hard thing to accept right now. Uh, we have heard it said. I've said it myself. I know probably a few of you have said it. That God is still on His throne. Through all of this, He is still on His throne. He is still in control. And you know what? That is true. He is. He is still on His throne. I know during my time, I had two weeks that I had to stay away from work because we had been exposed. So I had to isolate myself in two weeks and I had to work from home. And that was extremely hard. It wasn't a vacation. And when I did have time, I spent time just thinking and thinking and thinking because my school semester was over with. So I actually have a little time right now. So I was thinking, and I remembered back to my systematic theology class and my professor in there, and he made, a, he made a statement that has stuck with me, and I believe it will always stick with me. And I think it's important, and I think it's something we, we need to, to deal with today. And this is what he said. He said, the most important thing you will think about is what you think when you think about God. Because it will determine every other dimension of your existence. Now, I want to repeat that again. The most important thing you will ever think is what you think when you think about God. Because it will determine every other 
dimension of your existence. It will affect everything. Your perception of God and how you believe in Him and how you think about Him is going to shape your whole life. So this morning, I want to talk about some biblical attributes of God. So that when we think about God, we're thinking about what the biblical text tells us that God is. I'm going to start off with His omnipotence. And what that means is, is that God is all-powerful. He was before all things and He created all things. His power has no end. He can do what He wants with His creation. In Genesis 18.14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, after all, think about this. He spoke everything into existence. That's all powerful. He spoke. He spoke and it happened. From nothing into something, He spoke it into existence. How amazing is that? That's how powerful our God is. He spoke the universe into existence. We don't have any clue how big the universe is. We don't know how many galaxies there are. We don't have any idea. But He spoke it into existence. His omniscience is another great attribute that we need to think about when we think about God. That God knows everything. He knows everything. His knowledge has no limitations. In Romans 11.33 it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. See, He did not learn anything from anybody. He's all knowledge. He's all wisdom. He's all knowing. The creature cannot know what God knows. We cannot. He's the one that's all-knowing. So when we're sitting at home and we're in fear or we're feeling isolated, understand that God knows. This is nothing new to Him. It's not a surprise. He's all-knowing. He's all-wisdom and He is all-knowledge. His omnipresence. Mm. That means that God can be anywhere or everywhere at the same time. At the very same time. See, He's not matter. He's not made physically. He's not made up of matter that takes up space. He doesn't take up space. He's spirit. He can do His will at 5,000 galaxies over and at the same time hear your prayers. What an amazing God we serve. So when you're thinking about God... Think about these things. You are not alone. He is everywhere. He doesn't fill up space. God can do His will anywhere at any time. In Hebrews 4.13 it says, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. We can't hide from God. We can't hide from Him. And why should we want to? 
Why should we want to? Especially during this time. This is a time that I feel embracing God really gives us substance. It gives us a feeling of not being alone. It takes away that fear to know, and, to know that God who created us, created everything, He spoke it into existence, that He knows everything, and that He is everywhere He wants to be, all at the same time if He desires. How about the eternality of God? You see, God is eternal. He has no beginning, and He has no end. He is before time. Mm. Before the creation of the universe, God is. How amazing. In Isaiah 57, 15, it says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. His name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place. God inhabits eternally. He inhabits from now on. I don't know if you've heard this term before, but His divine aseity. His divine aseity. And what this means is that God does not need anything. He does not need anything. In Acts 17.24, it says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. You see, God is completely self-sufficient. He's complete with himself. Therefore, God... Oh, this one's going to like strike some people... He does not need our worship. He does not need our prayers. He does not need our music. He does not need our work. And He does not need our sacrifices. He did not need to create the universe and all that is in it to complete a need. No. However, we do need Him. We need Him. So when we worship, and when we pray to Him, and when we play music for Him, and when we do works for Him, and we do sacrifices Him, it's because we love Him. It's because of who He is. That He's an amazing God. That He doesn't have a need, but we do. And He created us, and He loves us. He loves us. The next attribute, and this one's kind of a little sticky point too, is that divine impassibility. I don't know if you've heard this term either, but what it means is that we cannot manipulate God. We cannot manipulate God. See, we can't bargain with God. We can't say, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this. That's not how it works. God is not moved by anything that we do. God is the same at all times. He's the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He is the same tomorrow. We simply cannot persuade the Lord to do something. 
When He blesses us, He blesses us because He loves us. It's not because of what we're doing. He loves the sinner as much as He loves the saint. He desires for the sinner to become a saint. He desires to have that fellowship and that relationship that He can walk with them just the same as He does us as believers. God is incomparable. I think this is the, maybe one of the largest attributes you can think of. And the Old Testament speaks over and over and over of how God is a jealous God. The thing is, is that jealous in the time that that was written did not mean the jealous that we have now, like we're envious. It wasn't that type of jealous. What jealous meant at the time is written in it. it actually, in Exodus 34, 13, he says that his name is jealous. And what it means is that he has no rival. There's no one else like him. He has no rivals. His name is jealous because he has no rivals. He is holy. He is holy, which means he is separated from anything else. I think about the fact that God is three persons of one. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But one God. Nothing, I mean nothing, compares to that. There is no rival for that. There is no rival. He is the one and only. He is amazing. When you're sitting at home and you're thinking about God, think about the Trinity and its amazement itself. If you want to be amazed even more, read the first two chapters of Genesis. Read it word for row, word, and read it closely. It'll blow your socks off. This is our God. This is our God that sent His only begotten Son for us. He created the world through His Son and by means of the Holy Spirit for us. He created us out of dust. How amazing. And He loves us. He loves us enough that He sent His Son for us. That divine nature of the three in one, they are consistent and they are equal. One doesn't become less so that the other becomes greater. They're all God. It's one God. How amazing. God made the world. He alone is Lord. He does not need the temple. He doesn't need anything else. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has eternal power. And there is nothing that can compare to our God. Period. So when you're sitting at home and you think about God, think about these things. And the last characteristic I really want to talk to you about is His omnibenevolence. Because this is the goodness of God and the love of God. It goes without end. He is full of love. And He is full of goodness. And His love and His grace are limitless. You can go through the Old Testament and you, a lot of people just think it's a bunch of rules and laws. But if you read it closely, you'll see that God's grace is present throughout it over and over and over He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He is a God of love. 
And He has that love for you. He has that love for you. In Romans 5.8, and I'm sure everyone is very familiar with the Scripture, it says, but God demonstrates His love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is omnibenevolent. His love goes from one extreme to the other. He's full of love. He's full of goodness. He's full of grace. He has demonstrated that over and over and over. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves. He loves His creation. We are His creation. I hope that during this time your faith has increased. This time of COVID-19. This too will pass. This will pass. As we were talking about earlier, some friends and I, my wife and I, we were talking about how this has also been a time of opportunity. That this has been a time of opportunity to share the gospel on social media like it's never been done before. I can turn on social media right now and I can look at it and I can watch sermons all day long. I can watch beautiful sermons all day long. I get to hear God's Word all day long. I get to hear people testify all day long if I choose to. We were talking about how we've had a thousand hits on some of our live views. A thousand. Our church only holds a couple hundred people. But we have a thousand hits. We're reaching people through this. There's positive that's coming out of this. I have to ask you, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you made that decision to say, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. I give myself over to Him 100% and completely because I desire to dwell with Him eternally. I desire to be in the kingdom because I love Him. He's done everything for me. He's given me everything. He's given me a way to salvation. We have to have salvation. If you do read Genesis 1 and 2 and then you keep going into Genesis 3, there's a bad thing that happens. It's the fall of man. It's where sin is introduced into this world. It is introduced and it is ugly. It was never designed to be that way. It was never God's will for us to have sin. But we have it. And the Bible tells us very clearly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every person. There's not a perfect person out there. We all sin. And that the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. is eternal separation from God because of our sins. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Because God gave His one and only begotten Son for us. That we could be with Him for eternally. That God demonstrates in love His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He provided a way. He created everything, and He provided a way. 
He provided a way for you. He provided a way for me. And during this time, if you're a believer, I sure hope and pray that you're witnessing the people that you do come in contact with six feet away. But that you are witnessing to them that you are telling them about Jesus Christ. Because God's desire is to save. His desire is to save. And we have to be His hands and feet. We have to take that word out. And it's important that we do. If you've not ever made that decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ and to be baptized, then I would ask that you would call the members of this church, the elders of this church, and visit with them and start that conversation if you have questions. They'll be happy to answer these questions for you. There's nothing more that they would love to see than you to become a member of the kingdom, become a member of the believers, become a saint, to become a child of God. I hope that everybody is doing well while they're home and while they're interacting. If you're on the front lines, we're praying for you. If you're in the medical field, we are praying for you. We're hoping that you're doing well. Please stay healthy. Please do the things that they've taught you to do to stay healthy. And most of all, let's don't live in fear. Let's don't live in fear for this because we have a mighty God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's eternal. He's everything. There's no one like Him. He has no rival. He is our God. Join me in prayer, please. Father, I thank You for this day, Lord. God, I thank You for this congregation. I thank You for anybody at home that's listening. God, I hope that Your Word spoke to somebody's heart today, God. I pray that they're just open to receive it. And God, I just pray that these uh, elders' phones are wore out from people calling to ask them questions. Father, I just pray for the ones that work on the front lines, that are in the hospitals, that are in the doctor's offices. Uh, they're, they're providing such a need right now. God, I just pray that you give them strength, uh, that you give them the knowledge and wisdom to do their job where they don't uh, get in contact with this virus, Lord. And God, we just know that you are in control. Father, we thank you, and we thank you for your Son who took on our sins and gave us a way to be with you eternally. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.